Well, good morning, church. How is everyone this morning? Doing good? It's a bit of a cool day out there. It's totally opposite to yesterday, right? Yesterday was cooking and I was surfing with my youngest son and it was beautiful. Now today it's a little bit cold, but that's all right. Um, my name is Scott. If I've not met you, I am one of the pastors here at New Life Cool and Gather. And we are in week five of a series called Crucial Conversations. And what we wanted to do is we wanted to explore crucial conversations that are going on in our culture, in our world, but also in the church in this day and age. And what he wanted him to do was speak into these crucial conversations to bring the light of the gospel, the word of God, to help us navigate and understand these issues in a biblical way that would bring life, but also truth. And you know what? This series has been such a blessing. And if you've missed any of the previous weeks, you can go to our YouTube channel where I kicked it off in week one with God and suffering. And then we had Pastor Michael Hands come and speak about deconstruction and faith. And then after that, we had Tim Buxton come and, and tell us about God's heart for the refugee, that God loves them and he wants to care for them as well. And also last week, Pastor Alex Stark came and preached on women in ministry. But today, I'm going to be preaching on miracles and medicine. And is that guy picking his nose? It looks like he's jamming it up there, right? It looks like a COVID test. Like I had a COVID test and I'm like, is this guy trying to tickle my brain? Like he just through it so far up there. If that is medicine in the first century, I think I'll pass. But there are three different thought processes on miracles and medicine in our common day in the church. And one of them is that God wants everyone healed. And if you just have enough faith, then you will be healed. And if you go to the medical profession, it's a sign of a lack of faith. The second thought process is God only heals through the medical profession because the gift of healing was only for the ministry of Jesus and for the apostles, and it's not available for believers today. And the last one is that God still heals miraculously through Christian prayer, but also he heals through the medical profession, and both of these are a gift of God. And just to be clear, we as a church, New Life Church, holds to the third view. Because what we want to do is we want to bring Scripture to all of these issues and find out what the truth is. And there's this beautiful prayer that Jesus prays in John 17, where he's praying for his disciples. He's about to go to the cross. And he prays this amazing prayer for his disciples. And he's praying to the Father. And he says, I've given them your word, and the world has hated them because they're not of the world, just as I'm not of the world. I do not pray that you take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They're not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you send me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they may also be sanctified by the truth. This is why we're exploring these crucial conversations because Jesus doesn't pull us out of the world, out of these conversations. He sends us into them. And he sends us into them with the truth, the truth of God's word. So church, we are sent to be a light in the darkness, in these issues. Before we get into it, I'd like to pray. So would you please join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, I just thank you so much for your word, Lord, for your word is truth. It is a firm foundation that we can stand on. God, I pray that you help me preach your word with grace, with truth, and with love. That, Lord, in the end, they wouldn't look to me, but they'd only look to you, the one who brings life and life in all its fullness. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, I told this story a couple of weeks back, but it's really relevant for today. I'll do a shorter version for those who haven't heard it. 
When I first became a Christian, I injured my back. Like It was like a week or two, three weeks after I became a Christian, I hurt my back. And it was that bad for about three months I was going to physio and they were helping me. And so I was receiving medical attention. And the first surf back, I hurt my ankle. First wave, and I'm like, you're joking. What is going on? Now I've hurt my ankle, and that took about 12 to 14 weeks to heal. And so next time, I'm like, all right, I'm good to go. My back's okay. My, he- my, my ankle's all right. It's healing. So I strapped the strap around my ankle, and I went for a surf. First wave, herniated disc in my back. My disc came out and went between my spine and my spinal cord, and I was in excruciating pain. I couldn't even pick my kids up. And I remember going and just receiving so much medical attention, physio, chiro, anything I could find to help me with this pain. And this pain went on for about 12 months. And I was serving on the Connect team. I was just volunteering um, on the Connect team at our Rubino campus. And I was standing on the front door and I was in so much pain I could barely stand up. But I was just serving. And this lady was walking up the foyer like this. She could barely walk. She couldn't stand up. And I'm like, what happened? She goes, oh, I was moving yesterday and I hurt my back. I'm in so much pain. And, and me understanding in that moment what it's like, the debilitating pain of a bad back, I was like, can I pray for you? So we just sat down in the foyer at Rabina and, and I just prayed a simple prayer. I said, Jesus, I know you love her. I know you still heal today. Lord, I pray for healing in Jesus' name. Whatever's causing this pain in the back, be healed in the name of Jesus. And it was crazy. She stood straight up and just started running around the foyer praising Jesus. And I was like, it was the first time that God had healed through a prayer that I gave. I was a brand new Christian. I'm reading the Gospels. I'm like, Jesus heals. So I just have this faith like that Jesus heals. So I prayed, and this is what happened. And I'm just there going, what just happened? Like I didn't hear this voice from God say, Scott, pray for her. Or like I didn't feel power coming out of my hand when I prayed. It was like any other prayer, right? I felt nothing. And I love that because it's got nothing to do with me. It's all about the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And God touched her. And this crazy thing is that she was healed instantly, but I was going through 12 months of pain where I was being healed by that medical profession, though. And I tell you this story because I think it encapsulates what we believe as a church. There are two ways that God heals. And he accomplishes that, firstly, through the first category, which is supernatural acts of healing, where God still is healing people today, and it's best understood through the Word of God. And the second category is, is natural law healing, which is beautifully exemplified through modern medicine, where people are dedicated to caring for people, caring for others. We actually believe that both of these are a gift of God's grace, and God has a plan and purpose for both. And today what I want to do is I want to explore in Scripture where we get this understanding. So first, God heals miraculously. I mean, you only have to open the Bible and just go into the New Testament, go into the Gospels, and you will see amazing miracles, right? Through the book of Acts, you'll see miraculous healings of all kind of pain and suffering and hurt. I mean, Jesus heals lepers. Jesus opened the eyes of blind people, opened the ears of deaf people. He healed lame people. He raised people from the dead, and his disciples did the same as they were going out and preaching the kingdom. And this actually continued after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, and ascension into heaven through the church, through the apostles, but also through everyday believers. And this is still the case today. We believe in the gifts of the Holy Spirit at New Life. And we believe God gifts each and every one of us a spiritual gift. That's a gift that's not natural, but it's supernatural. And the gift of supernatural healing is actually one of them. 
Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians 12. And he addresses them as the Gentiles. He goes, hey, Gentiles, let me tell you about the spiritual gifts. Let me tell you what they're for. And that's encouraging to us because that means he's talking to us. Unless you're Jewish, you were a Gentile. And so he's speaking, speaking to the church, which continues on to today. And he says to them, there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. There are different ministries, but the same Lord. There's diversity of activities, but the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Now, one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, another word of knowledge through the same Spirit, another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another working of miracles, another prophecy, another discerning of spirits, another different kinds of tongues, another interpretation of those tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. Paul's like, let me set you straight. There are spiritual gifts that the Holy Spirit gives us. And God gives them as He wills, as He sees fit. But they're for the edification of the church, for the building up of each other, and for the proclamation of the gospel. And He says that healing is actually a supernatural gift. And what I want to do is I want to focus on Paul a bit, his life and his teaching, this message, because there's a theological view in evangelicalism called cessationism. Now, cessationism is the view that the miracle gifts like tongues and healing, they've ceased. That the end of the apostolic age brought about the cessation of miracles. Most cessationists believe that the miraculous power was only for the apostles or for the start of the gospel spreading. They believe the Holy Spirit no longer uses individuals or Christians to perform these miraculous signs. We do not hold this view as a church and that's the reason why I want to focus on Paul because he's just like you and me Paul didn't walk with Jesus he didn't spend three and a half years walking with the other disciples with Jesus Paul came to faith after the death burial resurrection and ascension of Jesus Christ just like you and me so he has a revelation of Jesus he hears the gospel and he repents puts his faith in Jesus and he gets baptized and he gets full of the Holy Spirit and he goes out on mission and he plants all of these churches and God does these amazing signs and wonders through him. And he ends up being the one who teaches the church about spiritual gifts. That should be encouraging to us. There were other people in the book of Acts like Stephen. So the apostles, they were getting all busy and they didn't have enough time to do everything. So they started appointing leaders over different ministries. And they appointed Stephen as a leader over one of these ministries. And it says he was full of faith and the power of the Holy Spirit. And he went around doing amazing signs and wonders, preaching the gospel. And many people came to faith through his preaching and through the signs that God did through him. And in the end, the religious rulers pull him in and question him. And he ends up being stoned to death. He's the first Christian martyr. So what we see here is that the power of the Holy Spirit is at work through normal people. This power is not only for the disciples that walk with Jesus, but everyday Christians. And in Corinthians... Paul taught the church, remember, that would outlast the apostles to actually seek the gifts of the Spirit and minister them to each other. In 1 Corinthians 14, he says, Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. There's no actual scriptural reference in the Bible that says the gifts of the Spirit were either temporary or have ceased. And the past 2,000 years of the Christian church is a witness to this, and it's been full of verified stories of the miraculous healings through laying on of hands and prayer. So then the question is, what does Jesus say on the subject? 
Well, in Matthew 16, he says, These signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. To understand the context of where Jesus is here and who he's speaking to, he's speaking to his disciples. He's died on the cross. He's rose again. This is a resurrected Christ. And this is just after he says to them, he gives them the great commission. He says, go into all the world, preach the gospel. And whoever believes in me will be saved. That's a promise right from Jesus' lips. But he also says, who doesn't believe is condemned already. But he says, then these signs will follow those who believe. So he's talking about us. He's not saying these signs will follow you. He's saying these signs will follow those that believe the gospel that you go out and preach. That should encourage us. This is Jesus' own words saying that these signs will follow us. But here's the other thing. He says these signs. What is a sign? Well, it points to something, right? Like if I'm going to go surfing up uh, on the Sunshine Coast, I will drive past many signs that point me to Sunny Coast, won't I? And that's what they're designed for. They're designed to get me to a destination. They're designed to point me to something greater than the sign itself. But here's the thing. Sometimes, like miracles, we stare at the sign. And we make it all about the sign, but the sign's pointing to something greater. It's pointing to Jesus. You see, a miraculous healing is a glimpse into the kingdom of God. Jesus says these are signs that point to the reality that he is the saviour that he is the son of God, that the message of the gospel is true and it's a sign of the kingdom to come. It's not actually a sign of the level of your faith. Jesus says these signs will follow those that believe. It's not so you can say, I have more faith than everyone else and be proud, like I'm a really good Christian, I'm a super Christian, you guys aren't. These are signs of the reality of the kingdom of God, the reality of the king of that kingdom, who is Jesus. So the statement some Christians make to other Christians of you just need more faith to be healed? It's unbiblical, and I'll actually teach into this. Because it's not a sign about you, it's a sign that points to Jesus. And not only is that statement pastorally insensitive, but it's spiritually abusive. There are many of our brothers and sisters who are struggling physically right now, that have pain and suffering and disease and ailments and we are called to support them and love them and pray for them but when we say you just need more faith we're just pushing them down the dirt even more they're already struggling they're already hurting and then we're saying to them you just you like that because you just don't have enough faith as if we do as if we're better than them that's not loving each other as christ calls us to and i mean look at paul there are multiple stories in the book of Acts of Paul raising the dead, healing a paralytic. Even a hanky from his back pocket gets taken to people and they get healed, right? He had the amount of miracles that happened through his ministry and the revelation God gave to Paul in visions and, and dreams. I don't think any of us here today could say we would have more faith than him. But even though he had such deep faith, Paul suffered physically. And it was not God's desire to heal him. So it's not always God's desire to heal physically in this life. And he speaks about this in 2 Corinthians 12. He's talking to the Corinthians and he says to them, Though I might desire to boast, I will not be a fool. For I will speak the truth, but I refrain, lest anyone should think of me above what he sees me to be or hears from me. Paul's like, you know what? I could boast. I could boast in all the miraculous power I could boast in all the things that I've seen, the visions, 
that I've seen from God. I could boast in the revelations that I have, but you know what? They're not about me. They're a sign to point to something greater. I don't want you to think that God loves me more because these signs are happening. God loves us all equally. And he says, Lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of revelation, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Paul goes, Just so you know that I'm like everyone else, I suffered physically too. And that suffering through the time of his ministry kept him grounded from pride and thinking that he was something special or that he was better than anyone else. And he continues, he says, Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I most gladly would rather boast in my infirmities, which just means sickness of body or soul, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distress, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, that's when I am strong. So Paul understood. He comes to God. He's got this physical infirmity, this thing where it's just, it's just pain and suffering. And he comes to God and he says, God, take it away. God goes, no. And he can't deal with it. So he comes to God again. He's like, God, I want you to take this away. And God goes, no. And a third time, Paul comes to God and says, God, can you take this away from me? And God says, no, my, my strength is made perfect in weakness. And then Paul has this shift in understanding. He then goes, now I understand. I actually take pleasure in these things because it's taught me a greater truth about God. It's taught me something special that it's not all about my perfect health. It's about Jesus. He then continues, he says, I've become a fool in boasting, but you've compelled me. For I ought to have been commended by you, for in nothing was I behind, behind the most imminent, or some translations say super apostles, though I am nothing. Truly the signs of an apostle were accomplished among you with all perseverance in signs and wonders and mighty deeds. He's like, you know what? Even though I was suffering, God was still working in power through me. Like when I was proclaiming you the gospel, when I was proclaiming the love and the mercy and the grace of God, God was working in power, confirming that, and I was still suffering. But you still believed. Even through that, God taught Paul a lesson and he taught the church a lesson. So scripturally, it's not always God's plan to heal every time. And no amount of faith on Paul's behalf would have actually changed that. So to say that God wants everyone healed, you just need more faith. You know, it's actually unbiblical. And God was glorified through Paul's transformation of understanding, right? That God's strength is made perfect in our weakness. And God was glorified through Paul's suffering. And he's writing this down for us to read for the last 2,000 years. God had a plan in not healing Paul. And Paul's suffering became an encouragement to us and for all recorded time through the scriptures. And it wasn't only to the Corinthians that he speak to them about this suffering. He speaks to the Galatians too. He says, Brethren, I urge you to become like me, for I became like you. You have not injured me at all. You know that because of physical affirmity, I preached the gospel to you at first. And the trial which was in my flesh, you did not despise or reject, but you received me as an angel of God, even as Christ Jesus. He said, I came to you. The reason why I came to you at first is because I was hurting. I, I was suffering. And maybe he stayed there for an extended period. He didn't plan to, but maybe he stayed for an extended period because he was suffering he couldn't move on. But God still worked through it, right? God brought the gospel to the Galatians and even though signs and wonders were happening, 
They didn't reject him and say, you just need more faith. Even though he was suffering, they still believed in the power and the mercy and the grace of Jesus Christ. They believed the gospel. How powerful is that? That even though we are suffering, we still are called by God to preach the gospel. God still saves in and through it. So when someone says you just need more faith to be healed, we're putting ourselves in the place of God. We're saying we know all things and we know God's plan. You're not all-knowing. You're not sovereign. You're not seated on the throne of heaven. What if God wants to use this to show his power through this person's sickness or weakness, just like Paul? And the scriptures show that you can have true faith and not be healed because it's not God's will. You know, true strong faith is trusting God when you're not healed. It takes way more faith to trust God when you're suffering than when everything's going perfect, right? Like true, strong, steadfast faith is trusting in the character and the nature and the love of God when you are going through things physically. True faith stands in the face of sickness, pain, suffering and persecution, even death. True faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You know, when I was working in chaplaincy, I worked two years full-time in chaplaincy in palliative care and dementia care. And in chaplaincy in, in palliative care and dementia care is, is, in aged care is not a place where people come and get healed. Like it's not a hospital where people come and get healed and leave. It's a place where people come for the end of life. So there's a lot of pain. There's a lot of suffering. There's a lot of hurt on both those that are in there and the spouses that are not in there. And it's really heavy in that zone. And I remember as the chaplain, I think I'm going in to minister to people and I go into Christians' rooms and I'd often walk out and I'm like, they ministered to me. I didn't minister to them. There was this one lady that was going through so much pain and suffering. She was in constant pain. She couldn't walk. She couldn't breathe properly. She was just in pain all the time. And every time I walked in a room, her face would light up and she'd tell me about the mercy and the grace and the love of God. That she couldn't wait to see her saviour face to face. And I'd walk out of that room every single time and go, I'm not ministering to her. She's ministering to me. That is faith that transforms hearts and minds and encourages me in my faith journey. Now, I'm so fired up to know that there are Christians so full of faith, they're not afraid of suffering or death, but they're just full of excitement to see their Savior face to face. You know, we don't know God's plan, but what we do do is we pray in faith and believe in the miraculous healing power of the Holy Spirit to point to the reality of Jesus and the gospel message. That's why we lay hands on each other and pray and seek God's will. But John speaks about this in 1 John 5.14. He gives us this confidence. He says, now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have petitions that we have asked of him. He's like, here, let me take the pressure off. It's not about you being a super Christian. It's about who is our God and our Savior. He is the one who heals. He is the one that who can heal. And so we just step out in faith and we lay hands on people and we ask God for healing and we trust God what he does there. So we boldly pray for healing. If it's God's will, he will heal. And sometimes God heals not instantly or miraculously, but he heals through the medical profession. We are created to have community and we're created to love one another and help each other. We are creative beings made in the image of God and, and Jesus himself was sent to bring full healing, right, through the cross. 
So therefore, God uses us to bring us into this healing and provision. And sometimes God does miracles. But most of the time, he invites us into the process of healing through medicine. It's like if you're swimming out of the ocean and you're going for a swim and you get caught in a rip and you get sucked out and there's no way of getting back in and you start to get tired and you start to drown. And then a lifeguard comes paddling out in his board and he comes to rescue you and you're like, no, don't worry about me. I shouldn't have enough faith to be able to walk on water. I just need more faith and I'll walk out of here. Like we wouldn't reject help from a lifeguard, right? So why do we reject help from the medical profession? Maybe God is wanting to use that. When our car's broken down, we go to the mechanic, right? Is that lack of faith? Because God can fix a car just as much as he can fix the human body. So God does use modern medicine to help and heal us. And even Paul, he prescribes and encourages Timothy to take medicine. In 1 Timothy 5.23, he says, No longer drink only water, but use a little wine for your stomach's sake and your frequent infirmities or your frequent ailments. Everyone's like, yes, we get to drink wine. Who wants to go to a doctor who prescribes that? You get your prescription, it's like one glass of wine before bed for the next 30 days. It's like, I'm going back for another one. I'm going back for a repeat. Now, Timothy was a beloved disciple of Paul. Paul loved him. I am sure that Paul prayed for him. I'm sure that Paul prayed for him, either laid hands on him or from a distance. I'm sure the church got around Timothy and prayed for him. He was a pastor, but he wasn't healed. And even Jesus speaks into this issue in the story he tells of the Good Samaritan in Luke 10. Now, the context of this story is there is this expert in the law. And he says to Jesus, how do I be saved? How do I fulfill the law? And Jesus says, love your Lord, your God, with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And this expert in the law, he didn't want to love everyone. So he wanted to qualify, right? Who is his neighbor? So he just has to worry about that. And he said, well, who's my neighbor then? And Jesus goes on and tells a story to, to, to set him straight. He says, all right, there's this guy walking down the road and robbers come along and beat him to a pulp and they rob him and they leave him in a ditch to die. That's how badly he was beaten. And two Jewish religious rulers come walking down the road and they're like, whoop, what, nothing to do with that. And they go to the other side of the road and they walk around because they don't want to get him purely unclean where they couldn't go and worship in the temple. So they go around him. And then Jesus says, But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came to where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey and brought him to an inn and took care of him. This Samaritan's walking down, and he sees this guy dying in a ditch. And he has compassion on him, right? So he goes over, and he cleans his wounds, and he bandages them, puts them on his own donkey, takes him to an inn, pays for his his room in the inn to take care of him to nurse him back to health then jesus says to this expert in the law which of these three do you think was neighbor to the man who fell on the hands of the robbers the expert in the law replied well the one who had mercy on him and jesus told him go and do likewise we actually see a direct command of jesus here to go and do what the samaritan did so his disciples are standing around, all these people are listening to this story, and Jesus goes, this is what I want you to do. You want to love God and love the neighbor as yourself? I want you to go and medically care for people. He says, that equals loving God and, and neighbor as yourself. So when we medically care for someone, we're fulfilling the command of Christ for his disciples. And you know what? This has been the story of the church for the last 2,000 years. Over the centuries, they've had pandemics 
and, and plagues and all sorts of stuff come upon the world. And people would flee cities to get away from these plagues, but Christians would go headfirst and run into it. Many of them dying of the very plague or the pandemic that they were going in to help people because they understood the command of Christ here to go and do likewise, to go in and put their lives at risk for the sake of the gospel to show people the love and the mercy of God. You know, the amount of Christian hospitals, the amount of hospitals in the world that have been set up by churches or Christian organizations is phenomenal because they believe that that is command of Christ. And Jesus actually makes another amazing statement in Matthew 25 where he's talking about the end times. And he says, those that believe in Jesus will be over here and those that don't will be put over here. And he starts speaking to the saints, to the Christians. And he says to them, hey, when I was naked, you clothed me. When I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me a drink. And in Matthew 25, 36, he says, and when I was sick, you cared for me. And the saints go, well, when did we do that? When did we see you hungry and feed you? When did we see you thirsty and give you a drink? When did we see you naked and clothe you? When were you sick and we took care of you? And Jesus says, when you did it for the least of these, you did it to me. Jesus actually says you are loving him by loving others and medically caring for them. Jesus says, when you look after the sick, we're fulfilling the whole law and the prophets to love God and love neighbor as yourselves. So what God does is he invites us into this joy. God invites us into living out the gospel through caring for one another when we're sick. We should celebrate the medical profession. We should celebrate doctors and nurses and people working in that area because Jesus does. Do you want to love God and love others as yourself? This is one way you can do that. How amazing is God that he just shows us practically as Christians how we can live out the gospel? And whether we're the one caring medically for someone or we're receiving care, what that does is it binds us together in love. And not only that, we learn to be recipients of love when we're medically cared for. Like, who agrees? It's, it's, it's a vulnerable position to be in, right? When you're hurting, when you're suffering, and there's nothing you can do about it, you've got to go and receive medical care. It's quite a vulnerable spot to be in. We're asking people for help. This is so important to learn because we need to be able to receive love, especially undeserved love. And we see this amazing undeserved love displayed in the cross of Jesus Christ. That each one of us is sick. We have this problem, this sin problem in our human heart, and it's causing division between us and God. It's causing death to our soul. And we are in desperate need of a physician. Jesus says, I didn't come for those who are well. I come for those who are sick to call them to repentance. Jesus is not like the Pharisees that walk down the road and see someone injured and go to the other side. He dives into that. So much so that he put on human flesh. That he came and lived among us. That he knows what it feels like to be hated, to be scorned, to be rejected, to be spat on. To be beaten to a pulp. To be scourged and be nailed to a tree. And instead of saying, Father, destroy them for their wickedness, he says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. Jesus come to bring life and life in all its fullness. He did it all on the cross for us. And whoever repents and puts their faith and trust in Jesus receives eternal life, receives forgiveness of sin. The greatest miracle and healing is salvation. It's healing of the whole person. Does the band want to come up? The question is, what's the benefit if you're 100% healthy in this life, but you're 100% spiritually dead? 
You see, Jesus offers life and life eternal, regardless of what our natural body experiences here on earth. And we Christians, we're actually promised healing in the resurrection. We're promised when God makes a new heaven and a new earth, there'll be no more pain, no more suffering, no more tears. We're promised this perfect life. This life is not all there is. We are eternal beings and we receive life, eternal life. We've received eternal healing, eternal physical, mental and spiritual healing in Jesus Christ. This is the promise of Scripture. This is the promise of our Saviour. This is a promise of our God and it's evident in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus raised from the dead, free from pain and sin and death, we too who put our faith and trust in Jesus are promised the redemption of body and spirit. Amen. Church, if pain and suffering were indicators whether God loved you, then God the Father didn't love Jesus because he suffered physically on earth. And that's not true. God had a plan that that suffering would result in the redemption of humanity. God worked it all for good. And the resurrected Jesus promises all who believe that same resurrection life. Do you trust God will work all things for good for you? Your physical suffering is not a representation of how much God loves you. And all healing, whether it's miraculous or through medical intervention, it's the grace of God at work. It's the grace of God upon us. You know, the devil, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy, right? That's his MO. That's what he comes to do. But Jesus comes to bring life and life in all its fullness. So in all of our suffering, we should run to the Father and his plan for care for us. This is what I love about my two boys, my two little boys. Whenever they get hurt, whether they kick their toe or they bang their head, whatever happens when they're sick, they just run to me. They just come flying to me and they jump into my arms. They run to the Father because they know that I love them. They don't want to help them. There are times where I can help them and other times I have to go a different route and I have to take them to the doctor. But they run to the Father. This is what we should always do. We should always run to the Father. And trust He's going to do what's best for us and for His glory. You trust His love for you. You know, I'm sure when I get to heaven, I'm going to have conversations with Jesus. I'm going to sit down. I'm going to go, God, remember this person that was suffering horribly? And I was praying for their healing. And I'm sure that that the best thing would have been that they'd be healed for your glory. What happened? He's going to say, Scott, I had a grand plan there. You know, even in the midst of that person's suffering, they held strong in faith in me. And you know, two people in their family came to know me because of the faith that was displayed through their suffering. My power was made perfect in their weakness. And I'll go, God, you're amazing. You are glorious. You're always out there to seek and save the lost. Do you trust God? To do what's best. To finish, I love how Dr. Matthew Steamser puts it. He says, I believe there are two ways that God accomplishes healing in this world. The first category is natural law healing, which is beautifully exemplified through modern medicine. The second category is supernatural acts of healing that are alive and well today and best understood through the Word of God, not the scientific method. There needs to be no compare or contrast which approach was best. In fact, we need to be, do the opposite. We need to better execute both natural law and spiritual forms of healing so the kingdom of God comes faster. So this week, how do we apply this? What can we do? 
Well, we just run to the Father in all things that we experience. We run to Him and trust His plan for us. The other thing we can do is we can boldly step out in faith and pray for healing. The pressure is off. It's not about how great a Christian I am, whether I'm a super Christian or not. We step out in faith and we pray for people who are hurting. We pray for family and friends and even people we don't know. We step out in faith. And lastly, we can be the hands and feet of Jesus. And that might be by through medical intervention, by helping them that way, or just simply loving support. Someone who's struggling, maybe we can cook them meals or sit with them in the hospital. So practically, the question is, who can you love this week? Who, who in your life needs help and how can you love them? And in doing so, we fulfill the call to love God and love others. You know, in a moment, we are going to sing Waymaker. And I just love this song because it says, Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. God is a way maker. And sometimes that is through the medical profession. And we need to trust Him in that. But He's also a miracle worker. That God still does heal today miraculously through Christian prayer. When we lay hands on each other and pray for each other, God still heals today. But the best one is promise keeper. That regardless of what happens, whether we're healed through medical profession, we're not healed, or God heals miraculously, Jesus is a promise keeper. That he promises all who put their faith and trust in him, we have redemption of body, mind, and spirit. He's a promise keeper. That's faith in a loving, perfect, gracious, sovereign God. That he's always at work, even though we don't see it or understand it. And that's one of the other lines in the song. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. Do we trust those words? Can we sing them with conviction of who God is? That even when we don't understand, we trust in our awesome and our loving God. And we're going to step out in faith now. We believe that God still heals today. And I know there are people out there in our congregation that are hurting, that are physically struggling in all different kinds of ways, whether it's a really bad disease or ailment or if it's just something like a headache. I'm going to ask you to do something bold. I'm going to ask you to stand because we are going to pray. We believe God still heals today and we're going to put it in God's hand and we're going to run to the Father and we're going to pray for each other. So if you can, I'd like you to stand now. Otherwise, if you can't stand, you can just put your hand up. But would you just stand now? Church, look around. These are your brothers and sisters and they're hurting. They're struggling. And we are called to love each other, to lay hands on each other, to pray in faith or through the week support them. So I'm going to ask for you to be bold, to stand up and go and lay your hands on someone close to you because the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in each and every one of you. So can you do that now? Can you move around the room? Can you just lay your hands on someone who's standing? Ask them what their ailment is. Can you pray here? If they want to share it, they can share it. If they don't want to share it, they don't have to. But we're going to be praying for healing. And so Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would come right now. That you would move with power and love and compassion. Holy Spirit, sweep through this place. 
bring your miraculous power that is a sign that points to the reality of who Jesus is, the truth of the gospel and the kingdom to come. Come Holy Spirit, have your way with us. Move in grace and love. And Lord, we pray for healing in Jesus' name.